Welcome back to another episode of Being an Artist is fucking killing me. I'm Corinne. And I'm Rainy. Welcome back. Happy Tuesday. Happy podcast day. It is March 22nd. So yesterday, all the provincial mandates dropped for masking. Yes. And we want to know how you're feeling. Yeah. I'm really interested if like people are feeling wary if people are feeling ready, if people have mixed emotions, because I have a lot of mixed emotions about it, especially like in work, which we talked about last time, but I like, maybe this is my wrong assumption. I assume that everybody else is just like gung-ho and ready. And I'm just like being a baby. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. I mean, I feel like so many people are, (laughs) what is, I've noticed is that someone says, the no mask mandate and there's either someone like oh finally or there's yes. someone just like oh, i don't know um it's you're really clear about which people are ready and which people are not you know totally um, where's the like where's the space in the middle for people to like feel yeah. weird yeah i mean and from i don't know what you've heard on your end Corinne, but from a lot of people in a lot of places that i've been working are saying they're gonna keep them on for three weeks after the mandate and comes off and then they're going to reassess after three weeks really yep wow almost all the studios I've been in the uh corporate in some of the restaurants yep three weeks we're going to stay with masks on and reassess after that wow I feel kind of jealous that those are the places that you're working yeah I just got emails today Mm. the 17th being like Monday, we're ripping the Band-Aid off. No capacity limits, no Vax passports, no masks. And then in in like the last sentence, but do what makes you feel comfortable. Right. <laughs> well, this space, that, and then you saying do what makes you feel comfortable doesn't really make me feel like I have space to do what makes me feel comfortable. Totally, totally. Yeah. I like said, like people are opinionated about it. So yeah, yes, that's a no. And people are going to say what, no matter what, no matter what, they're going to yeah. have opinions about it. So good yes. luck. Be Ugh. especially nice to your fellow service people industry workers. that are in retail, that are in service industry. Yeah. Anyone that has to do with deal with people, let's be extra kind to them in the next few weeks. Yeah. Just, and don't assume because someone's wearing a mask or not wearing a mask that they align a certain way, you know? Totally. They might be feeling the opposite of what they're showing because, you know, that's where they have to work. And right now, I mean, I had a conversation with someone that I work with. It's like, if we adopt a certain policy and you don't align with it, you have to come to the realize that you have to come to this decision if this is the place to work for you. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, I don't want to be out of a job right now. Mm-hmm. So then it's like, do I bend to keep my job that I otherwise enjoy? Right. And that pays my bills to sacrifice what makes me feel safe, mm-hmm. which right. is like, there's a lot of people in this world that can't make that decision. They're going to keep a job no matter what, because they cannot afford to be unemployed. Right. And nothing will support them if they decide to leave a job because they don't feel safe because that's not how REI works. No, exactly. You know, so it feels really tricky right now. Yeah. And even yesterday when I was at work, I was serving this table of older women, lovely, had a great time with them. They were the bee's knees. They were so nice. But one of the women asked me, are you ready? Like, how are you feeling about masks coming off? Are you ready? And I took me, I had to like, 
I was like, how do I feel like answering this? Because I don't know where she stands. Right. I don't know how this interaction is going to go if I answer honestly. And she was just like curious. She's like, oh, do like, and she could sense like my hesitation. And she was like, I don't feel ready either. Like there's like crazy things going on. And like, I will cur- certainly wear it in certain situations. And, yeah. and I was like, Let's okay, talk about TC. Cool. I don't think I'll ever take a mask off on that. One thousand percent. Places, I'm telling you right now, places I'm not taking my mask up. <laughs> Ubers, Lyft, taxi cabs, TTC, <laughs> anywhere on King West, anywhere on King West. Just, yeah. We know that's where it all started in December. <laughs> that's what I'm just saying. I'm just saying that's where I'm wearing my mask. I'm not saying y'all have to. I'm just saying those are the ones that come to mind when I think about maybe I'm not okay with wearing my mask. <laughs> Just let me let us know how you feel it's yeah uh, let us know how you feel thing. it's weird it's also like allow space for nuance and conversation and allow people to do what makes them feel comfortable without shaming them exactly you not have to project your shit onto other people totally yeah and that's that with that being said we have ansley ansley simpson Woo-hoo! musician sonic artist they are doing some super cool work right now and i'm really like interested and following them and keeping up with them and um yeah lots of really nice things to say we've been so we've been having these like conversations a lot lately with people about sobriety and addiction and we're wondering how are y'all feeling about it Mm -hmm. um it's a topic that we were exploring and we're interested about getting many opinions about it. And um, yeah, let us know if you, if these are the type of interviews that you're enjoying. Um, Also let us know if there's interviews or topics that you want us to bring up. Oh yeah, totally. Also we should shout out our newest Patreon member. Nicole Fowl. Thank you, Nicole Fowl. Nicole, our wonderful friend. Long time listener, big time pal, big time pal, (laughs) alumni of the pod in the OG days. It's true. She was on in like episode four. Yeah. Fucking right. Wow. Um, If you don't know, we have a Patreon and what happens in that Patreon? Well, we pay our lovely junior producer, Devin. Devin. It also helps us pay for equipment rentals. It helps us equipment rentals, cameras, Mm -hmm. all of the things that help make this pod um, functional and happen. We ain't getting none of that money. No, no. So go to our Patreon. Um, you can literally donate like a dollar a month and it'll help us. Thank you so much. Yes. Um, and you get to watch all the episodes because that's where we put the full videos. Exactly. Um, summer's coming up. So we're going to be kind of adding some more content for that and yep. keep up to date with us. Totally. Okay. Let's go. Ansley, thank you so much for being with us today. Um, I, it's so amazing. So we've had this like lovely, beautiful kind of, we've been able to connect with Luminato in so many different ways in the past few years. Um, and you're actually doing something with them right now. I am. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Uh, yeah, I, I'm one of the uh, Luminato Air Artists in Residency for 2022. There's five of us. Um, and I think I'm the, I am the only music or sonic artist. So mm-hmm. that's pretty exciting. Honestly, the whole thing was so mind blowing 
to sort of open up the email and realize that I'd been chosen. It felt like a very long shot. So yeah, it was great. It's been great so far. Why did it feel like a long shot? I mean, you know, when you apply for any kind of grant or Mm -hmm. any kind of opportunity, I think I don't know anyone who doesn't really internally go over all the reasons why they're probably not qualified or Mm -hmm. as an indigenous musician I add in the oh am I taking up way too much space here is there another Mm -hmm. community member that would be a better fit and honestly like I I think I think I applied three days before the deadline because I debated in my head for so long as to whether or not I could do it did I fit was I really an artist in that caliber and then I just applied. Um, so when it came through, I, yeah, I was, I was, I was in tears. Cause I was like, oh my God, I think anybody who gets any kind of job right now in the arts community, yes. especially one that's sort of pandemic proof in that it was going to go no matter what. Right. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, and it paid like a living wage, which oh, is that's amazing. Yes. Like rarely heard of in Canada, unfortunately, to hear like artists who can like have one gig and have a living wage. Yes. And like, uh, I've been doing this, you know, on and off contract work, really just mostly being paid by live music performance, that kind of thing. So like, I don't often know what I'm going to be doing. I have a rough idea of what I'm doing in three months, but that may not be enough to cover my bills. So it's like this Mm -hmm. extra hustle you have to do to like, make sure that I'm feeding myself and my daughter, you know, and keeping a roof Mm -hmm. over our heads. So like having this opportunity and it lasts like six months, it's such a short period of time when you think about it. Like some people I'm sure in other industries would be like, oh my God, it's only a six month contract. What am I going to do for the rest of the time? But for me, it's like, oh my God, six whole months where I don't have to worry about money coming in. This is bananas. Yeah. And also illuminates a lot. (laughs) It illuminates a lot, right? It says a lot. Totally. (laughs) It also just like allows you six months to work on a funded project. Yes. Which is without a lot of interference by them either, mm-hmm. which is nice. Like Luminato is an awesome organization that I've worked with and done shows with in the past, but I've, I haven't really done anything of this caliber or behind the scenes to sort of see how they operate. And uh, it's so nice to get confirmation that they're actually supportive of artists behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. And, you know, because I, I think I lack a little bit of trust. And whether or not they're just, does this company or organization seem like they're artist friendly or artist forward or do they actually walk the walk? And so far it's been really, really amazingly supportive in ways that, you know, they'll ask us what we require as support for artists and we all draw blanks because we're not used to being asked (laughs) (laughs) that question even. It's like, I don't know, like, this is great so far. Like, just don't take this away. (laughs) (laughs) Give more opportunity. I don't know. (laughs) Keep doing this. Yeah. (laughs) Can you explain for people that might not know what Luminato Air, like that, that specific part means? Yeah, the air part is just their artist in residency program that they've, I think it's fairly new. I think this is the second or third batch of artists Mm -hmm. that they've done so every year they're going to try and keep doing it every year they'll pick five different artists from five different 
types of art. So there's mm -hmm. dancers, visual, yeah. um, costume design. It's amazing uh, the the sort of variety of artists. And they this year their sort of goal was to pick people that operate on the fringe or the margins of the mm. art world, and to sort of help. Um, support and provide tools for these artists as they go about this little long form project. That's kind of what they wanted us to do. Some sort of long form creative project mm -hmm. that takes, mm -hmm. you know, that maybe doesn't fit into the normal definition of even a theater project or right. a stage performance. And then right. just dig in and do that work for six months, you know, mm -hmm. without even the expectation of finishing it like right oh, we wow. don't have to have had it completed. you don't have to have an end product there doesn't yeah no end product like oh. the pressure was completely taken off of us which is a little bit it's weird it takes some getting used to right because uh, totally yeah we and, and so there's like no they're they're there if we want to perform or if we want to incorporate it into shows but there's no ob right. obligation to perform it or you know, present. It's just the opportunities are there. So, like, mm. that's I'm really grateful for that, right? Totally. How does that affect like your work, like your yeah. work levels? Because I am a person that needs like a deadline, like a hard deadline for myself. Because I, Corinne's <laughs> not being like, girl needs a deadline. <laughs> Otherwise, I'm just like floating through space. <laughs> um. So how, how does that affect you for like motivating your, your, your own self-work? Yeah, it's interesting because I'm, I'm someone who requires a deadline as well, but also gets completely overwhelmed by the idea of a deadline and then paralyzed by it. So <laughs> I am sort of keeping my personal goal is to have um, at least a good chunk of this project done. So I wanted to do, I want to record long form sonic pieces mm -hmm that are connected to different places in Toronto that actually used to be um, used by indigenous people. So there's like an old pawpaw grove that used to be there. There's hunting grounds that are now called Deer Park, which mm -hmm. is just like a big park. Um, so I wanted to sort of connect those places to sonic pieces. So I hope to at least at the end of the six months have like four of those done. Nice. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, so I'm sort of, but I'm also being really forgiving on myself too, or just sort of reminding myself that like, I wanna take this opportunity to have healthier work practice mm. actually in, in practice as opposed to like, you know, resorting to those tools that I know are at the ready to push myself through to be productive. I'd rather like encourage myself from like a positive place isn't that a crazy idea like a, <laughs> a healthy work-life balance yeah. <laughs> instead of like okay we're gonna take the dry sponge of creativity and just bring it out a little bit longer kind of thing yeah. like why don't we just encourage and take breaks and yeah balance it mm -hmm. so yeah we'll see that idea is like so when I was reading about it it's just like very unique and like so thoughtful and I, I'm just interested if if you had been previously working with the same concept or was this completely unique to the Illuminato Air experience that you came up with it? Well I think over the years I've noticed that when I sit down to write lyrics um, I need something sonically playing in the background but it can't 
have any sort of structure to it. So my default has been ambient music uh, and very minimal, right? Like very stark. I don't, I don't like it when people throw like too busy of a piano line in there or something. And we're talking like four notes, right? Like, ah, <laughs> it's too much, get rid of it. There's a melody there. Right. And then I started realizing that I actually love creating just drones, just these simple kind of sonic layers. Um, and there's an element of beauty in those alone, but then I also like writing on top of them. So I started to do, uh, to gather different things to make drones in essence, um, different things that maybe aren't typically used in drone creation, like listening to the, I remember taking a Zoom recorder out to a cedar grove in the middle of winter and the cedar trees were making popping noise because it was so cold mm -hmm. and the movement of the cedar trees was creating this popping noise that was reverberating down the tree and you could hear it just by standing beside the tree so I put the recorder really close grabbed it and then in you know in my studio on my laptop I would be playing with those tones stretching them out adding synth tones mm. to it coloring them in essence mm -hmm. filling them out a little bit more so and then I started thinking that that's kind of this beautiful collaborative work that I'm doing with the land. Mm -hmm. um, and I wanted to continue to do that. So yeah, it's been on my mind um, to connect that somehow to the city that I'm in most of the time, Toronto, right? Mm -hmm. If I can improve my own living experience there and not hate it as much. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it's kind no, of true though. Some yeah. days it's like that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like it's, I've had a struggle with this city for sure. Um, because it's a, it's a lot. Like I do all this work, right. To like tune my ear, become very sensitive to different sounds. And mm -hmm. I think all musicians do that to some degree. Um, and then I go out in the world and it's like cars and horns and people and it's it's just this bombardment right so like it can be a challenge walking around the city so this is this is another sort of way i think for me to reconnect to what is actually my traditional territory as an anishinaabe person right mm -hmm. like i've got ancestors that worked and lived in this land or on this exact space you know a century century and a half ago so like yeah it's helping me to kind of connect to that hidden element or hidden city or hidden territory and sort of talk a little bit one-on-one -on -one to the land or listen maybe to the land mm -hmm. yeah. you had mentioned earlier um when you were talking how you when you're talking about getting the luminato air that you you had like a little bit of doubt in yourself like was i the right person being an indigenous person can you speak a little bit more about that and to that oh yeah it's a it's an interesting process or experience i guess um when i take on a job or when i get asked to be part of a gig or like get a grant i think no matter what there's always this level of self-doubt like, am I good enough for this? But then as an indigenous person, I had this whole other layer, which is like, am I the best community member for this right. spot? Um, a lot of us, and I, I try to encourage other indigenous artists to also not do this, right? Mm -hmm. Just apply for the opportunity. Mm -hmm. Let the jury decide. 
you know, yes. put yourself out there. It's okay. Uh, it's okay to take an opportunity because we all pay it back to our communities and um, in different ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that our successes as musicians or as artists does benefit the community directly, even if, you know, just in and of itself, just by us doing successful work. But there is always this awareness, like, um, I don't want to take up all this space. I would like other Indigenous artists to take up this space as well, right? Mm -hmm. So, and then there's the other fact that, like, the Canada 150 year was a real doozy of a year, because uh, there was a lot of funding that was earmarked so that uh, settler organizations could pull in Indigenous people to perform or to do all these things. So everybody was looking for indigenous performers and they weren't, it was a lot of last minute, poorly thought out asks. It was a lot of like things that just did not feel comfortable to do or that you'd get there and you'd be like, oh man, why did I take this? Totally. (laughs) This This is not great. So, you know, thankfully I know Luminato enough and actually reached out to other artists that had had the residency in the previous years and just like hey how was it that's kind of what I think everyone does but especially in the indigenous community I think there's a little bit like what was it like working right with them as an indigenous person and everyone always speaks highly of uh Luminato in that way so yeah yeah so that's kind of I guess these extra layers Mm -hmm. that carry with me yeah (laughs) totally and like extra layers that if not that up properly from an organization are very harmful. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm, I'm trying to, yeah. And for me, I'm an older artist. I've done this for a little bit longer, but I'm always looking at, well, what are, what's being done at this, in this space or at this show that might be harmful to other indigenous performers that might play Mm. this in the years to come. So I'm one of the artists that will um, afterwards sort of like email people directly being like, listen, this this environment backstage was not comfortable or safe for indigenous people. Uh, You need to perhaps consider changing this, 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 and this. And I recognize that sometimes maybe I don't get asked back. (laughs) I'm fine with that. But more often than not, um, places are like, yeah, oh, wow, thank you. We hadn't thought about this at all. Like, you know, I try to bring a little bit more awareness around sobriety into things like green room spaces, yes. right? Because there's there's just a few things that you can do. Like you can have a couple different flavors of bubbly water, never hurt anyone, you know? <laughs> <laughs> you can be, you don't have to default to drink tickets. Um, yep. you, there's other ways you can be like, listen, we could give you drink tickets or we could put some snacks back there. How about? Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Are you comfortable talking about your sobriety journey? Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. Absolutely. How long how long have you been sober for then? Uh over five years now. I think my wow. fifth year anniversary was in August. Yeah. It kind of feels like wow. feels mind-blowing in a way because I didn't I kind of when people ask me how I got sober, it's like what I really want to say is I sort of tricked myself into it because I've been trying. <laughs> I knew alcohol wasn't that great for me. 
I wanted to stop, but like couldn't really go that long before I'd find a reason or a sociable, you know, socialization that was just like, oh, well, okay, I'll try this again another time. But I started, I decided uh, I would only drink if I could drink in a good way. And it was sort of based on Anishinaabe teachings of Minobimadizawin, um, which is like to live life in a good way and to walk life in a good way. So I'm like, okay, well, I'm only going to use alcohol in a good way, not to shut down an emotion, mm. not because I can't sleep, not because I'm stressed about, you know, talking to people. And I think I got a week in and was like, oh no, there's like no circumstance that I can think of where I can drink in a good way. And the only way is like, maybe alcohol is like topically for a wound and then that's it. <laughs> so like, it was, it was a really interesting experience because once I got that under my belt, I was like, well, let's just keep going. Mm -hmm. But also the flip side is I didn't really have any support, right? Like I hadn't gone oh. to a counselor for it. I hadn't, I rapid access addictions management, RAM clinics, those things are excellent. They will get you all the support you need from, from like the harm reduction right up to full, you know, abstinence, like just sobriety, everything in between. I didn't have any of that. I didn't have a therapist. I just kind of kept going at the same pace but without uh, without alcohol being there assuming that it was normal and not realizing that like hey maybe I used alcohol to like distract my body from feeling tired let's just push through this thing let's just like take another show let's not worry about that physical pain you're feeling right now or mental mm -hmm. pain or emotional pain so like when you don't change all of the uh <laughs> the pace of your life I guess right and then you really don't get any help for like what you suppressed for all the years that you're drinking that can all catch up to you. Totally. And it, and it did like a year, a year into it was mm -hmm. rough. Yeah. What happened in that? And when it got all caught up to you, I, yeah, like I, I had just gone on tour, the new constellations tour, which was this really great indigenous, this is the 150 year mm. indigenous 150 funding, but it was like pretty well run. Um, where it was like indigenous musicians and settler musicians set off in tour buses and we did like a Canada-wide tour. It was amazing. It's the only time I've ever been in a tour bus, probably the only time after that because I don't think anyone can do that anymore. Um, by the way, like <laughs> sleeping on a tour bus, I've been, that's the best sleeps of my entire life. Like, wow. like the, the motion, little, like, the, yes, yeah, the tiny little pods. I feel like you're being like rocked, like just a baby. Rocked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I had this. I kept bragging about my shelf. I had the bottom bunk because I wanted to be low to the ground. <laughs> I had all my stuff on my shelf, so everything was handy if I needed a little sip of water. But anyway, so I'd gone on tour, and then I went right from tour into recording my album into the studio. And then I remember like halfway through that, a pipe burst in my house and flooded my basement. Yeah. And all I had time to do was turn the water off. <laughs> like I didn't have time to fix it. Didn't have time to call a plumber. I wasn't home. I live alone. Like there wasn't anyone else I could pull in. So I'm just like, I'm gonna live without water. So I bring like big jugs to the recording studio and fill that up with water in the sink, in the kitchen. And take that home is like my nighttime water. Um, and by the time I was done, I was so tired. And then I just kind of crashed, like the wheels fell off. 
Uh, I was still going in and recording vocals. I had all these shows lined up and like, I'm getting anxious even talking about it. Like my whole body had nothing left in it, like nothing. And I just started crying and I couldn't stop. And like a month went by and then like two months went by and then I'm like, I can't, but I was still doing shows. So I would like cry, cry in the hotel room, cry, walk myself to the gig if it was close by or take a cab, cry a little bit backstage, pull myself together, get on stage, fucking just deliver, show emotions, all of it. Ah, feels good. Cry. Hi, hi. <laughs> well, well, <no. laughs> and then I'm like, oh no, this is not sustainable. Like this is not okay. And I started, I started like, emailing therapists right like in this this is when i highly recommend you get your mental health care team in place before your breakdowns <laughs> i was like trying to find one in the moment it was just like i would get these responses and we're like we're we're not able to take a client with the eight week wait list yeah exactly oh. and like you sound like you could use some really urgent care and i didn't need urgent but yeah my emails probably seemed a little like, like the Ooh. phone the yeah, phone is, yeah. <laughs> the, like phone number directly to cam h like totally totally <laughs> so I finally found like a therapist that would that i could afford that would work with me and then things just got like better and she was just like wow you need to rest and i'm like okay i'm gonna rest so i had canceled a couple shows which is huge right because that means i don't have any money coming in so and money, that's yeah. terrifying yes and plus if like everybody thinks that you can't do shows then you stop being asked right like that's oh weird. yeah like oh well she's not doing well right now like don't right. don't ask them to come in and do it like they're out like Ooh. so <laughs> yeah i was really worried about that but i would start resting and my idea of resting was like take my laptop downstairs to my bed and like you know type away and do all my work in a comfortable space like that's resting right like this is resting and then I went back and my therapist is like okay this is not working like you've had some solid rest here like let's break it down how are you resting and I'm like okay she's like just walk me through a day like well, I wake up in the morning make myself a coffee and have my greens and, and just like I could tell wincing at the coffee part but whatever um <laughs> and then I take my laptop to my bed and she's like stop why are you taking your laptop to bed if you're resting and I'm like well I'm working and she's like no you're supposed to be resting like no work like turn it off and so then I had to like figure out what to do to rest like that's weird Honestly, yeah. I just did a lot of staring at things because like <laughs> staring out the window and staring at spots on my wall because I couldn't really read um, and I couldn't, I was so burnt out. I couldn't like internalize any podcasts or like mm -hmm. the news yeah. was a nightmare. I couldn't listen to CBC or anything. That was way too triggering. So yeah, but after, after like, and it's funny, like instead of, doom scrolling and staring at my phone I would just kind of stare at things like a plant I got into like picture books for a bit because you could just open up a picture book like Instagram but you're just <laughs> seeing like a real like a picture 
and then Danger Book book is the original Instagram. (laughs) (laughs) I got very into picture books. Super delayed Instagram. (laughs) Totally, totally. Super delayed. I'd find them in the little free libraries around if I'd take myself out for a little gentle walk. Like, but then I started feeling better. Mm -hmm. And yeah, and then the trick was like, okay, so like this is where that sponge thing came from totally like, Ooh, I've got a little bit of creativity Ooh, I didn't even have creativity I don't feel like um the tears have stopped I'm not as big of a mess oh <gasps> let's try wow. to write a song let's squeeze out some freaking creativity here and it was like no no actually we still have to wait you know mm-hmm. we still have to wait let's just slowly integrate playing live and slowly integrate some of these things back in in a balanced way as much as you can totally I when the first time you said like the sponge analogy and then you were like the tools to like push myself to keep going is this something you talk to your therapist about or like yes those like and those are if those start to happen you know that like burnout will come yes absolutely yeah yeah and I've now realized too that what I thought was normal was actually pre-burnout Mm. and that that I was so close to burning out continuously like my you know my life hasn't wasn't that easy there was been quite a lot of trauma and then I had gone through a separation and divorce right before I went on tour kind of thing like years of lead up right so like one of the biggest things that I've learned is like like I feel really good these days I feel really good I'm not 100% there's a lot going on in the world I don't think Mm -hmm. anyone is great but like I feel like I can keep my head nicely above water now when before it was like you know my normal drowning yeah yeah like only my face floating (laughs) kind of thing (laughs) oh this is fine this is normal right I should be able to take on a whole bunch of gigs and projects and like everyone else seems to be doing but everybody else is kind of burnt out too. Yes. Mm-hmm. And exactly. no one really has the yeah. tools to recognize what those are until it's too late. No. Yeah. Like one of the biggest things that I recognized almost more recently than anything is that flow state and hyper focus are two different things. And mm. hyper focus, like when I'm in that hyper focus state, I will sit down, I will start whatever I'm doing and I will realize it's like two or three in the afternoon, starting at like seven or eight and I haven't eaten. I haven't gone to the washroom. I haven't had a drink of water. Yep. And before I would call that a flow state, like, ooh, I was in such a creative flow state. Meanwhile, it would take me like a day and a half to recover from it because I was exhausted afterwards. I felt depressed. Mm-hmm. Like if I would do that kind of squeezing the sponge thing, And so I had to kind of re-identify what an actual flow state is, which is for me sort of dipping into these focus periods and then stepping back and reflecting and then going back in. Like, yeah, doing different little work techniques to be able to help remind myself to have some water, you know, walk around, go outside, eat something. The things that are gonna fuel your body to keep going. Totally. And then after I'm done, I'm very creative during that time in a similar way, but I'm not devastatingly sad for a day and a half afterwards. I actually feel like, oh, I could do this again tomorrow. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. How long did it take you to get like figure out that routine though? 
really like like two years of solid therapy it seems yeah and now I try to tell everyone the things that work for me like one of the things I use is the Pomodoro method which I don't really know anything more than its name and how I use it but basically it's work intensively for 10-15 minutes and I set a timer on my phone and then take a three minute break and then work again for 10-15 minutes and then take a little break so and I do maybe four or five of those and then I step away entirely go for a walk come back in and I find that's really helpful like if I'm shut down or paralyzed around a project Mm. like an album release which is like the biggest thing that I get paralyzed around I can like ooh, kind of trick myself into getting some of that work done Mm -hmm. and it also works really well for creativity for me so yeah Mm -hmm. Does it help you like ease into it? Because I know that sometimes and with some people, it's like the thought of having to start something is like, like you said, it's like the overwhelming paralyzing action. And then like, once you started, you're like, oh, or you like break it down into sections. You're like, I just have to do this. Oh, I just have to do this. And this part's going to be my big chunk. And then you like mentally prepare yourself for three days to get to this big chunk that you have to do. Totally. Yeah, Yeah. totally. It was mind blowing to me that you can break things down into tiny little steps. And then you can add a time to them because like, I'd be like, oh my God, this is going to take me two hours because it would, because I would spiral and be paralyzed for two hours. But the work only takes like five minutes. Like mm-hmm. how long does it really take to answer an email? Not very long, but right. in my mind, it was going to be like, oh, it's going to take me half a day to get everything I want to say in that email or whatever it is. So that was the other thing, like break it down into steps. How long do you think each step is going to take? I'm now yeah. much better at saying how long each step is going to take. So yeah, it helps that anxiety paralysis around huge projects. Of course. It's yeah. like, let's just plug away. Just yeah. Totally. Mm-hmm. Also allowing yourself like a few days after so that if you get to that place and you're like, I'm never going to get this done in this, in this day, you can just be like, we'll just do the editing tomorrow. That'll be your job yes. for tomorrow. And then at the end, you have these like couple extra days that have kind of compacted the whole thing together. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. totally. Yeah, yeah. It's all about, because I don't think you guys probably notice this, that there really isn't, uh, <laughs> there really isn't an instruction manual for how you go about being creative in a know. work way. Like, and yeah. anybody that <laughs> I know to follow, they're like overworkers or, not doing so well yeah it's (laughs) It's like like, this this like very toxic like hustle culture Mm. right you just like keep pushing keep doing it'll eventually show up it'll eventually happen for you Mm -hmm. but you're like at what costs yeah Yeah. and also like what do you mean like everybody's idea of success is different so what you want out of life is different than I want what I want out of life and Mm -hmm. to get there we need different methods yes yeah, yeah every, that whole definition of success thing is really interesting to me. And I try to, I try to think about that too, because it changes every like day. as you go, <laughs> it changes. And my idea of what I want to be as an artist changes too. Mm-hmm. Like that's why I really like mm-hmm. doing these more private projects or in that are not performance based. Yes. Because of the extra energy it takes to be on and to be rehearsed and to be ready and also, you know, as an independent musician, I'm booking things. I'm like, I'm the one that's doing all the things mostly. So yes. it's a lot of work. Uh, these other projects allow me to kind of quietly work mm-hmm. at art without, yeah, 
just in it, I, I don't know, in a way that I feel more successful at the end of the day. Like I've, I've checked off all my goals. I'm still happy. Totally. I can still parent my kid. I'm not <laughs> crying. <laughs> yes. Like still cry, but just like not all the time. <laughs> we can't ask for the world <laughs> like yeah. no I like crying <laughs> crying's great you know but just like not all the time <laughs> yes listen uh, I cried three times at 101 Dalmatians the other day so uh, <laughs> just, yeah you don't have to justify your tears to me <laughs> <laughs> that's it yeah yeah, yeah. 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 one like the I mean, old, no, that, but like old crazy. No, the new one. Oh, okay. the new one. Yeah. Oh, what's yeah, what's funny? Is it Emma Stone? Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. My <laughs> daughter won't let me watch it. She's like, "Mom, no." Because I think probably because I would cry the entire time. <laughs> She's like, "It's no. so good. It's so good." First yeah. Of okay. Not to get on. A, I mean, I'm so interested in what you're doing, but also like not to get on a tangent about Emma Stone <laughs> Dalmatian, but it's so good. The music amazing cinematography yeah. amazing oh this is good this is good yeah. you know what yeah. i might have to watch it soon <laughs> um i want to just go back to I, something i've been thinking a lot about lately as a, about how everyone's always like why are artists like constantly struggling with addiction and mm. you know like alcohol drugs etc and i was coming to this not that it's like new realization but <laughs> everything we do is essentially like based around a night out for someone who has like a normal job right like yes, an yes. Art gallery, like something like a, going to an art gallery going to a dance performance going to a music event mm-hmm. going to like a some sort of immersive experience like it's all based around nights out and they get to like leave their jobs at whatever five o'clock get mm-hmm. ready and go have a night out and relax at these events and oh, as yeah. artists we not only have like the responsibility to a entertain these people which is very like dance puppet dance which is already so funny uh-huh. but also we then have to we're then like drinking at our workplace yeah yeah or like it's normalized right like it's 100%. not normal for like a dentist to go in and drink in between clients for you know no because it's everyone else is like yeah it is a really weird not yeah it's a weird part of our our uh, jobs yeah, yeah absolutely and i i would say that like i i don't really know any artist that doesn't like struggle with trying to find that balance between okay am i drinking now because i'm having a drink and i'm loosening up am i am mm-hmm. i doing this now because I want everybody else to have fun around me so I want to make them feel more comfortable about like what is the exact it's hard to find that balance and I think it's it's something that like we struggle with like our entire lives with totally like I remember in my days leading up to being sober the months leading up to my to my sobriety like the reasons all of those reasons are there when you drink, right? Mm-hmm. So I would go out and perform. It's uh, always in a bar at first. So there's always alcohol there or you're, or you're getting free drink tickets as part of your payment. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Like, also yeah. Yeah. So, and for me, um, so it would calm my nerves to be able to get on stage. It was a reward after I got on stage and it was so normalized, right? So I tried to, when I first quit drinking, I'm like, well, I have to know if I can actually play sober. Not that I was hammered on stage. I never got hammered on stage, but like I definitely drank during and I drank before, right? To get on stage. What a question. And that was terrifying. 
to learn how to get on stage and perform and sit with anxiety. Like, honestly, the, I had to learn distress tolerance because this was like blew my mind. I would have said that I'm totally fine with all my emotions. I feel them all fully, but I don't. I felt them to a point and then be like, whew, that was a long day. Let's have a glass of wine. Yeah. You know? like, <laughs> so having to like perform while being anxious and allow that anxiety to be there and still perform and then not reward myself with alcohol afterwards that took practice actually had to practice it and like bartenders are the biggest they're harm reduction support workers right like they're they're supervised consumption site workers mm-hmm. and i think we need to start looking at as a whole other conversation but for me, what I was able to do is talk to the bartenders and say, here are my goals. I don't want to drink. Don't let anyone buy me alcohol tonight. Um, I know you can't police or monitor. Like you can't, you can encourage me to not drink, but they can't be like, you told us not to drink. So we're not right. making you any drinks, but they're certainly highly supportive of like, Hey, let's get you. I'm making this mocktail right now. Like Totally. There's a non-alcoholic beer. Like there's other things you can do. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that took, that took some practice. The other thing that's like bizarre is that before I was a musician that performed, I thought like performers were all extroverts that just loved being on stage, loved getting in front of people. Yes. And I think we all do to some degree, but now I've realized that I think like 90% of us are introverts that would secretly we just like making music quietly alone with a couple of friends. And yes. then it's like, oh no, but you also have to get on stage. <laughs> you have to. <laughs> and it's like, what? Performing? I really? And then and then yeah. So then I think a lot of people will grab alcohol to be able to get themselves on stage, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So totally. that's such an interesting thought process or like thought idea that like bartenders are safe consumption yeah like supervisors consumption supervisors absolutely so interesting yeah yeah that's why we need that in all we need like safe supply um, poison drug supply just like for a while alcohol when it was you know it was unsafe for a while when it was illegal right yeah prohibition yep so yeah, like it was like harm reduction is the reason why I was able to reach my goal of sobriety. So totally. And that's not everyone's goal. Um, but I feel like harm reduction is kind of the best path to get most people to their goal. Mm. You know? It's so, probably yeah. the most supportive, right? Yeah. 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 <laughs> wow. I like have one more question about sobriety, if that's all right. Yeah, sure. Has it changed your relationship to your music? both like mm. you just talked about performing but has it changed your relationship to your artistic process yes um yes like just technically speaking I used to save writing until late at night right I'd mm. have a couple like I'd have a glass of wine or or like something to drink and then write after my daughter was asleep kind of thing and now I prioritize the songwriting part earlier in the day when I feel better mm-hmm. um and I can wake up now feeling better because I don't have alcohol there. So yes. it shifted where, how I prioritized my writing. I also find that what I write lyrically speaking, it's better quality. Like, mm. I think I was really worried that I wouldn't, because I could write so much 
when I was drinking, but like, I'm not keeping it all. I'm only going to keep like little chunks of it. Right. And now when I sit down and write, I might not write as much by far, but what I write is clear. It's got more substance to it. I don't have to rework it uh, as much. So I really like, and sonically as well, I can sit down and work with sound in a way it's like, I, I feel clearer. So my music comes out in a clearer way too. Yeah. Yeah. So interesting. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like I really feel like that tortured artist thing. <laughs> that like <laughs> weird stereotype. Yeah. 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 To, like, I blame Hemingway wholeheartedly for that. <laughs> Fuck you Hemingway. <laughs> yeah. Sounds good. Now if we can get like gigs to happen at one in the afternoon, that that's a dream come true. Like, <laughs> I'm really great around one. I can do a good show then. Things are, right. but by the time, and then I can be home and in bed at my normal bedtime. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Fuck these like midnight shows that happen, right? Yeah. Oh, man. Oh, man. Yeah. Good <laughs> thing. Yeah. Um, I had just had one more question about um, you've mentioned your daughter a couple times now. Yes. How have you felt that like, how have you felt like supported in the arts industry being a mother right yeah. now and having having someone to support or do you or have you not felt that supported at all Ooh, mm. yeah like parenting as a musician is a tricky thing right like I've brought her to gigs more often than I'd like more often than she'd like <laughs> one in fact there wasn't a backstage she literally sat on stage and watched Moana on her ipad while I played because I didn't want her out of my sight. It was an outdoor show. And right. so she was happy. I checked in with her a couple times, like kind of thing. It was very bizarre. So yeah, like I, I don't think the industry still realizes how many parents there are that are working these jobs and that we don't always have childcare built in with another parent in the household. Right. And so it can take a lot, you know, like I, when I book, when I book most of my gigs, I try to, I'm a separated parent. So I have the luxury in a way of booking things on the week when she's at her dad. So not everybody has that and it doesn't always work that way. So then there's times when I'm like, okay, I got to scramble and either bring her find a sleepover, but yeah, yeah, it's not, it's not that easy. But at the yeah. same time, I think it gives her this really interesting life too. Like right. mm -hmm. she's been able to meet and see a lot of different people that she normally wouldn't. She now can watch how it's how hard it is at times, but how possible it is to be an artist and actually, totally. you know, bring food to the table. Yeah. Right. But right. yeah, it's not easy. Do you think that in terms of like resources, they're just like, we are so far behind in Canada for artists as like resource, or I would actually even say in North America, resources for um, parents right now are so limited. Like there's rarely funding, there's rarely opportunity given um, to support at all. Yeah. Yeah, like even going back to this residency, one of the things that excited me the most is that I didn't have to go anywhere for it. I didn't have yeah. to find childcare yes. for it, right? Totally. This is unheard of for me that I can do this as a parent. 
Um, so yeah, I would say that that absolutely we don't have enough funding. I think you know guaranteed basic income would go a long way. I don't know one artist that didn't at the beginning of the pandemic when when there was basic income coming in that didn't actually feel like oh this is a relief. Hey, yes. I have some income coming in on a steady compared to pre-pandemic even. You know, and I feel like that says so much that if you're feeling more supported during a global pandemic than before, that's, that's scary. And I was hearing that from friend after friend after friend, like, yes, they, and how tired they were, how burnt out, how unsustainable their pace was before. Oh, I mean, yeah, I think every single person realized after not even after throughout mm. the pandemic that the pace that they had been working out was they were yes, on like we everyone. talked about on the verge of that burnout happening to that breakdown yeah. you know yeah yeah and it's hard when you're on that edge too you say yes to jobs more than you normally would because yeah. I think there's this scarcity I don't know you're not thinking things through or something yeah, yeah. it's it's bizarre <laughs> it's bizarre yeah, yeah. I, I always wonder if like when uh, mothers or parents when they apply for grants for specific projects do they write is there like options to write childcare into there I haven't I haven't seen it there mm. may very well be um, but I don't see it on the grant right um, I would love that to be to be you know yeah a part of grant writing is to be able to say like even I think that grants should really encourage artists to pay themselves more than what they do like I think when totally. especially for music grants I think there's this tendency to like pay our, our, our musicians really well and then you know not pay ourselves on the grant ask even or just be like oh I'm going to do a very little amount for my own expenses mm -hmm. and I've even seen people be like well yeah don't don't pay yourself but they'll think that you're just taking the money and it's like well we have to feed ourselves during this and if yeah. you, have kids, you have to feed your kids while you're doing this album creation or whatever it is so I feel like there needs to be either I think basic income just needs to happen agreed um <laughs> but also yeah certainly more space in the grant world for yeah parents yeah Mm -hmm. Totally. I also yeah. wonder if that would be used as like a, like their mother, like as the, like a, would it just be used as like information or would it be used as like more wanting to give them it or as a deteriorant? Oh yeah. Right? Oh, yes. I've wondered about that as well. Yeah. 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 Like it's, you, you never know, you never know how they're going to interpret. You never know who's right on now. the jury. Mm -hmm. yeah especially because like even like we think like universities are supposed to be that we know we're teaching um like we're molding people are molding young minds and blah 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 but yeah. they like still tell like there's kind of like a secret code if you're like a woman applying for mm. a position a, pro a professorship or an associate you're not supposed to go in with a ring on and you're supposed to never mention that you're with someone or yeah. that you're thinking of having children and they can't ask you that because technically you get a you're you would be they don't want to pay your maternity if they're just right. hiring you fresh and usually young female professors are in the age where maybe they're thinking of mm -hmm. having children mm -hmm. right yeah so, and again it, it really illuminates how much gets thrown on women right yeah. like yes what about what about just having per what you know parental leave and actually having yeah. it fairly balanced yeah, with every both parents take a chunk of time off because then it would like, I mean, they, they would just discriminate against that whole age group. 
Yeah. That's what we need is we need more like dusty old tenure professors. Oh. Going to <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. Just no teaching doubt. outdated facts. That's it. Um, yeah. Old curriculums. Yeah. Perfect. Oh. Um, we'd love to ask you a question. Sure. Is being an artist fucking killing you? <laughs> um, being an artist is both the reason why I'm alive mm. and when I try to make money with it, <laughs> the reason it's most detrimental to my health. <laughs> yes. Generally speaking, though, I would say no. I think being an artist is not killing me right now. <laughs> Perfect. What a great answer. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Thank you so much for everything today. Um, if people are looking to find you, find your work, Mm -hmm. watch you somewhere, where would they, where would they find them? Go to filter them all to Bandcamp. Let's all go to Bandcamp right now. That's sort of the best place I've got. My new album comes out in May which I forgot to talk about. That's all right. You can plug it right now. You can plug it right now, yeah. <laughs> plug it. I got a new album coming out in May. So yeah. it was held back. It was supposed to come out like right when the pandemic hit. My tickets when it, were about to go on sale. So it's coming out. It's going to be great. Yay. Woo. Yeah. Awesome. So follow me on the Bandcamp. Uh-huh. Yes. Go check Bandcamp out. That's it. Um, do you have like an Instagram or like a website? Or yeah, I'm also on Instagram website everything is under my name Ansley cool. Simpson yeah I'm on Facebook but I I don't do that much there it yeah. hurts yeah <laughs> so mainly mainly like Instagram band camp yeah. and yeah through my website perfect awesome. right on thank you so much if you liked today's interview if you had any questions if you had any suggestions if you had anything you wanted to let us know about uh go on over you can find us anywhere at gal pal prods and thank you so much Thank you. Thank you. It was great.